Okay, hi everyone, and uh, welcome to the Capgemini Customer Perspective Podcast, where we're going to be keeping you up to date with the latest news from the customer experience world, as well as reviewing the latest trends and technology breakthroughs. I'm Joe Jennings, and I have the pleasure of uh, guest hosting this episode on data monetization in the automotive industry. I'm a consultant within the Smart Mobility Connect team at Capgemini Invent, and previously worked in marketing and strategy roles for an automotive brand here in the UK. I'm joined today by Abu Abubakar, a senior consultant also from our Smart Mobility Connect team, and Jordan Fisher, a senior consultant within our digital marketing capability team who focuses on the consumer products industry. Can I ask you both just to introduce yourselves briefly in a sentence or two? Hi, I'm Abu. My background is automotive, having be, having worked on various projects in the customer journey, slash value chain from strategy, order to delivery, predominantly focused on sales and marketing. Thanks, Abu. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Jordan. Uh, over the past few years, predominantly working in the data-driven marketing arena uh, with both retail and CP companies. Um, and before that, I spent the sort of earlier years of my career working in the automotive industry, um, particularly in marketing teams around digital advertising, CRM and data. Thank you very much. And, and before we start the main the main interview part of the, uh, the podcast, I just have a few quick fire icebreaker questions for you. So first one, what is your least favorite part of working from home? Endless calls, I think, for me, Joe. Well, for me, that feeling. for me, it's not hitting my stand goal. Um, yeah, it's not great. Okay, uh, next one. What is your dream car? Oh, good one. Um, I think uh, some kind of Bacani, I can't get my words out, Pagani Zonda would be, uh, would be good for me. Oh, very good one. Uh, for me, it would be a classic Porsche 911. And the final one, what would be your ideal sandwich filling? Um, Parma ham and rocket. Oh, good shout. Uh, for me, it would have to be ooh, like a chicken pizza kind of flavor. Chicken, uh, mozzarella, and marinara. Uh, okay, so let's kick off with the interview part of our show. You're both here today to talk about data monetization. So put simply, how automo- automotive organizations can use data to generate revenue streams and what lessons they can take from the world of consumer products and retail. So you, you specialize between you in two different industries. What do you think is the biggest similarity and the biggest difference between the two? I think there's a lot of crossover. Um, Cars can be viewed as high value consumer products and expectations of buyers kind of reflect that, especially as we see today, the same trends in consumer products itself. Um, In terms of the traditional model, business model, there are some very clear parallels. Uh, While there's a small amount of direct sales where it's kind of like a brand to consumer, uh, predominantly, most of the sales are driven through um, transactions with retailers. So, so with the brand to the retailers, to then to the end, com- uh, to the end consumer, in the same same way that the CP companies do today. 
Yeah, I agree with Abu in that sense. There's a lot of there's definitely a lot of crossover points. Um, I would say that the, the organisational structure um, is a big difference, actually, um, an area for learnings for, for for automotive companies, and um, particularly if you think of the the sort of multi multi brand angle and, and conversation. Um, speaking of that, if you think most mold, major multi brand marketing departments sort of operate as siloed teams within that, there's no kind of shared marketing resources in the likes of some of the big uh, the, the big automotive manufacturers. And then you you compare that to a um, CP or retail example, then actually the marketing services organization um, is often one that's developed in a retail exa- in a retail environment to um, serve multi-brand franchises. So I think that's quite an interesting um, perspective. And so we're here today specifically to talk about data and how the automotive industry can take, take advantage of today's much more connected world. What do you think the future looks like? Well, the real growth uh, and I guess opportunity in the automotive industry, like any other, is data, as we mentioned earlier. The problems that most brands have encountered is predominantly around data ownership and the data ownership question. As we touched kind of in the previous questions, brands generally transact with retailers in a kind of, in a kind of a B2B wholesale transaction. Uh, and then it's those retailers who then transact with the end consumer. And in this model, the consumer has a contract or has a contact with the retailer, not necessarily the brand. Uh, so the customer customer data or the consumer data itself belongs to the retailer. In a world where data is now king, the challenge for most brands is trying to obtain that first party data or the actual consumer data um, uh, to to kind of action that. In the medium term, connected services present one of these, one of the kind of most important opportunities. We're now seeing a wave of new cars being released with like more and more connected services, almost to a point where it's kind of like a hygiene factor in today's cars. However, the, the, the main challenge with these services are they require subscription on top of the vehicle purchase. Uh, and then for that, you also need a contract between the consumer and the brand. Now, the main challenge we tend to see with these is, again, convincing consumers that the benefits of the services that they're signing up to in these extra subscriptions are worth the value exchange of providing their data, but also signing up to that subscription itself. The goal for connected services is generally to improve convenience. So whether it's getting into a warm or defrosted car in the winter morning, finding a nearest electric charge point, or taking the worry out of servicing by providing kind of clear and transparent service interval information where any work is due. Um, the, and although the benefits are clear, sometimes what we're seeing is that they do get lost in the buying journey or the customer journey. Uh, if the consumer doesn't know what they're signing up for and how it will impact their lives, the value exchange isn't always clear or can be kind of mis- uh, misinterpreted in, in, in their perspective. We see a great deal of value in working with brands, uh, especially around this in optimizing this value exchange. It's at this point where the data then starts to become available. And actually, depending on the level of permissions, brands can then start to benefit from kind of optimization opportunities. Because if the data can be leveraged successfully at like a country level, the data from the car can quite feasibly kind of inform things like CRM campaigns, retargeting, or loyalty offers to improve the customer experience, but ultimately the conversion rates on sales yeah i think abby raised some some really interesting points there and actually to to piggyback off one of them a big a big um sort of perspective from from my part on automotive data um, is that despite organizational structures as kind of brands, national sales organization, retailer and, and financier um, might, might be complex and that there might be a lot of, um, of hidden processes behind them, ultimately the customer only sees one brand. 
Um, and as a result of that, it's imperative that uh, that brands sort of step up to that expectation by creating the right data foundations, the right data sharing agreements, um, and ultimately sort out their data landscape so that they don't get left behind and they have sort of free and flowing information across that. Um, one element of that is also um, around if you think about connected cars and the and the types of data that are available there. So I think um, connecting cars is is going to be able to um, sort of enable uh, brands um, to morph into the advertising space. So if you take a Waze example, for instance, when they're doing it on a single application scale, um, where you're driving along the motorway and advertising pops up for partners that are, that are paid for, you know, you're approaching a motorway services, you might be notified in advance of that motorway services that it's got a Starbucks, for instance, because the app knows where you are. And um, that's capitalizing on a new revenue stream for, for ways, but the opportunity for automotive brands to capitalize on that too is, is really important if you think of the applications of in-car advertising and, and the amount of screen time and screen space that you now have in, in modern day cars. And um, so I think one that's, that's definitely one that's sort of needed to, uh, to immediately better understand and start capitalizing so that they don't lose out to um, the advertising giants like your Google, Facebook and things that have already started to dip their toes in the water. Yeah, I, I think to me, this is as much about creating benefits for the brand as it is about ensuring uh, the, the end customer's benefit as much as possible. Where do we at Capgemini Invent come in? Uh, you're absolutely right, uh, Joe. And we we can support brands end-to-end in unlocking the full potential of connected car data from early stages of analysis, how we collect the data, what data we collect, through to the concept and role of business models and operational processes. I mean, we work together with our partners throughout the Capgemini group and have worked with clients to develop data strategies and solutions such as user-based insurance. And, and the inverse of that could just not just be about connected car data. We've worked with other OEMs around or brands around uh, retailer-owned data where we leverage the, the, the data that the retailer has and actually informing the customer buying journey by creating leads based on multiple data points such as whether they're personas or segmentation or we can even input things like pricing. Uh, and then these data points and we're now seeing are becoming more and more available to brands as they move to the connected journey, but also through new direct sales channels. Okay, so clearly first party data is becoming even more important with the upcoming uh, cookie changes that will impact the ability to collect third party data. How else can brands build their databases? Yeah, so I, th- I think there's a huge opportunity for automotive brands to sort of leverage the data that they own, specifically when you compare that to other industries. So, you know, the amount of um, data, specifically PII data that's, that's held by brands is staggering. And especially when you think of that in the context from a retail or particularly CP company, for instance, it's, it's a real, really asset. Um, and that asset comes from both digital and offline forums. Um, and, and there's a number of ways in which in which the capture can sort of be done. The, the challenge for all data capture and one of the things that I think is really important for, for brands to, to get right is the value exchange. And Abu's mentioned it a couple of times earlier, as, as have I. And consumers are reluctant generally to give away their personal data now. And if you think of the, the GDPR and the California Privacy Act sort of world that we live in, um, they feel like they're only giving away what they need to in order to get back value and they're they're quite data savvy in that sense Um, and so it's really important that the brands sort of step up to the mark to meet those expectations to give you an example of that if you if you take the sort of old test drive analogy 
people don't sign up in general on a, on a brand website for a test drive anymore. We know that the, the data is clear that tells us that, and, and it's been that way for some time. Yet it's still sort of idolized by a lot of brands as the kind of key performance indicator on websites and the, the sort of gold standard of lead generation for, for test drive requests. And often the case is that hundreds of thousands of pounds of media spend are being optimized, optimized towards that action, which given that we know it's, it's not a key indicator is, is a little bit crazy sometimes. So, you know, brands need to think about how that budget can be better spent on things like econometric modeling and attribution modeling to actually understand what consumers do on the website and look at what actually leads to a sale. And if you think of um, how that can be uh, applied if you think of um, some brands are looking already towards optimizing towards a, a valuable arrival for instance which looks at um, the results of that modeling and can track activity um, placed around specific behaviors so for an example of that a quality behavior might be a high dwell time on a certain web page um, followed by a specific entry um, from a certain place or specific search related terms on, on from Google for instance um, and that sort of information can allow the brand to move away from optimizing towards archaic data capture models and build models that are more reactive more specific more always on campaign led um, and that can be optimized sort of in in flight too. And the other consideration for me um, around value exchanges is, is um, particularly that's prevalent in automotive terms, is, is chatbots. And they're kind of looked at as either um, one, to reduce call center volumes, um, which is sometimes done through chatbots or, or live chat, um, or two, to convert sales or capture more data and um, and and that although might be okay in its in its sort of standing actually we see across industries and um, other industries that ai can be used really really successfully across the purchase funnel and um, but that it typically works better in either the early part of the early part of a buying journey um, to point someone in the right direction or to give them a sort of nudge and help or in an aftercare perspective, um, you know, when you can't access a connected car application, for instance. And, you know, the, the, the whole concept we need to talk about here in Frame is a mutually beneficial value exchange. And it's what value brands are adding from the consumer's perspective is just as important as what the, what the brand is capturing for their benefit. Yes, some really interesting points there, Jordan. I want to dig a little bit deeper into, into one of the points you made and, and that consumers today are, are much more wary um, now than before about giving away their data. How can brands counter this trend? Absolutely. Customers are becoming much more informed in the way they're shopping and they don't need as much more help as they used to. We've seen retailers and brand contract uh, contacts dropping year after year and this has only been emphasised more with the increased public awareness around data protection. Clearly, it's vital to optimise database management and customer experience to retain existing customers, plus maximising engagements of any new contacts they do obtain. Those, for me, are hygiene factors, and we have extensive experience drawing best practices out of both initial data collection and retention. Where we've been able to really add value to our clients is on the topic of permissions, maximisation and data sharing agreements. We spoke earlier about the value exchange and how important it is for the consumer, and it is central to our approach. Uh, it's this reason that we consider all channels from brands, digital channels, retailer and the vehicle itself and other post-purchase touchpoints. The key to our model is, is a unified declaration of consent across brand, market and legal entities. Um, and and the, kind of the model that we're talking about is kind of, uh, it, it benefits and it extends to all parties. For example, global teams benefit from the extensive data analytics that they can run, optimize their local uh, and optimize their, their, their kind of global campaigns, whereas markets can then deep 
dig down and deep into the, the data to optimize the local product and service offerings along with their partners, such as retailers, or um, uh, to, uh, to provide a high data protection standard and enable uniform, high quality related processes. Most importantly, the customer benefits from transparency. Uh, uniform processes and a customized product offering, they, they come with that. It also takes away the multi-layer permissions that a customer doesn't have to care whether they're talking to an OEM, an NSO, and a retailer. They see them as one business, uh, and it actually just takes away some of the complexity and some of the anxiety around how many people are involved in a kind of uh, a value change for that customer. Uh, and it goes along with to maximizing their kind of customer journey, but also the satisfaction around the buying process itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as accelerated a lot of these digital trends uh, for auto brands, we've had a spike in um, certainly online sales platforms, for example, and concepts such as virtual showrooms. Do you think these sorts of tools are here to stay as, as kind of an integral part of a brand offering? Yeah, I think so. In fact, it's something we're very focused on at Capgemini Invent with our agency model offer. Uh, what, it, what it involves is basically a kind of um, a, a conceptualization of what the direct sales approach looks like. And we know most or most brands will not um, have a very uh, streamlined process to actually get into a direct sales approach. Uh, but what we do realize is in between that is multiple layers and multiple facets of how each brand, based on their his, history, can create their own direct sale, uh, direct to sales uh, approach that suits them. Uh, and, and basically, uh, what the agency model focus on is bringing the brands closer to the consumer through strong digital interaction, uh, categorize, but mostly E to E consumer touch points across the, the the online journey while maintaining the benefits of today's kind of offline footprint. So for some uh, who have a lot of offline footprint, this is super. For new startups, this uh, can mean something in between. Yeah, so I agree with Abu that um, the sort of expectations and retail formats are changing. And, you know, a prime example of that is where Capgemini Invents just launched our, our corner shop, uh, which is an interactive retail space um, that we're opening in the heart of Shoreditch um, in partnership with Sharp End and The Drum. Um, the sort of purpose of that is to explore the future of um, brand and, con and consumer engagement um, and the new normal of what contactless experiences are, particularly accelerated by, by COVID. Um, and what we're what we're looking to do is sort of help redefine brands shopping experience. And, and it's basically a platform for retail experiences and technologies to be co-created with clients and technology partners and um, to work out how this concept can be applied to automotive formats would be a really interesting avenue to explore in more detail. Yeah, that sounds absolutely fascinating. Um, and, and thinking bigger picture for a moment, I wanted to touch on autonomous cars. It might not be on the immediate horizon, but how do they fit into this conversation? Fully autonomous driving, one of the key outcomes of our intelligent industry offer is on its way. But the journey is still long and complex, of course. Achieving acceptable levels of safety and reliability will need substantial verification and validation activities, requiring both millions of kilometers of road tests, generating big data at scales we've rarely seen, and requiring an infrastructure and analytics capabilities to actually process it. At Capgemini, we can help automotive manufacturers plot the roadmap for their autonomous car development, putting in place the architecture and the technology required to build confidence around their safety and trust around uh, the systems being developed. We get involved in autonomous vehicle development and technology, as well as the 5G networks, which will enable the connection speeds required to generally drive that data from the public roads back down to the brands. The data involved in these sorts of developments are clearly a step up from what we are talking about today. 
and it's, it's sometime a, a, a little bit further away from achieving the mass uh, results that we expect to see for both brands and consumers to benefit from. But for me, the future of data is super exciting, especially around uh, the, the autonomous vehicles and from a data perspective and the opportunities that it unlocks. Brilliant. Thanks for that. So, so Jordan, Abu, we're coming to the end of our interview. But before we finish, if you could give a final piece of advice to anyone listening at a brand or a retailer, what would it be? I think for me, it'd be think data in everything that you do. You know, think carefully about how and where you collect it, then think carefully about how you use it and think consumer in terms of better articulating the value exchanges and think about what a consumer wants rather than just what you want them to do. Um, and sort of finally, measure, measure and measure. And, and most importantly, learn from what you measure and use that going forward. Yeah, I guess for myself, it would be, uh, maybe I'll put it into three kind of categories, creating awesome digital services that meet consumers' expectations. It's always important to build uh, the best consumer, but also the best consumer interaction data. So uh, that's one for me, building that data, that data that actually tells you something more about your consumer and how you can use that. Um, and I think the second bit for me is playing a role in, in integrating across an ecosystem. We've seen a lot and we've talked a lot about how uh, fragmented the, the actual um, uh, automotive world can be or is uh, when we talk about you know globals, NSEs, uh, and uh, we talked a little bit about uh, retailers. It's, it's finding a way to integrate all those ecosystems and enriching that. And then the last point uh, would be monetizing the data and whether that be uh, thinking of different ways or more innovative ways to use the data, but also opening up how you can deliver benefits for both uh, consumers. Because in reality, that the, the benefits for the consumers will drive the monetization itself. Great. Well, thank you very much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, and thanks in particular to Abu and Jordan for, for joining me today and for your fantastic insights. Stay tuned to our future episodes and you can subscribe to the Capgemini podcast channel using your preferred podcasting app. This is Designing Momentum, a podcast from Capgemini. Designing Momentum is a show about what it takes to build and maintain momentum in business. When the odds are against you, how do you forge your own path? Original ideas very rarely come from looking in the same place as you always look. So in this show, we'll be turning the spotlight in a different direction that you wouldn't necessarily think to look. Hosted by me, Frank Wammers, and with the help of Rachel Burford, International Women's Rugby World Cup winner, and experts in emerging technology in sport, we'll be exploring why what goes on in the boardroom isn't so different to what happens on the pitch. Make sure you subscribe now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts.